Let's take a moment of prayer before the message this morning. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for the truth you have given us in Christ Jesus. As we come to your word, we ask that you would move our hearts, renew our minds, so that we may love you ever more fully and follow Christ ever more day by day, trusting in him in everything that we do. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You and I are continuing our Easter journey. It's been a journey that's been going on for a few weeks. And it's a journey that has been one of doubt and fear and discouragement to one of faith and joy, peace and assurance. That's been our journey so far. And what we see is that each time it is God intervening in our lives. And that's really the essence of the gospel. It is that God intervenes in our life. Not that we're seeking God, but God seeks us through Christ Jesus. That's the gospel message. And he does it again and again and again, especially when we just want to throw in the towel sometimes. I don't know about you, but for me, this whole virus thing has been getting a little bit long. It's been dragging on quite a bit. And even if you're strong in your faith, things like this can start to weigh you down. You start to think, man, is this all worth it? Do I want to continue? Man, sometimes people even strong in their faith under the circumstances almost just want to quit. So I guess this morning, for the question for you is, has there ever been a time in your faith life where you wanted to say, I just quit? I, I don't know. I'm just like, you throw up your hands and say, I don't know anymore. Well, if you have ever been in that point, or if you're in that point right now, you're in some pretty good company. Because let me talk to you about the disciples. The disciples, they saw Jesus died. Then he rose from the grave. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. Peter and John, they ran to the tomb. Then he appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Then he appeared that very night to the disciples in the room. And he showed them his side and his hands. And then eight days later, he came to Thomas. And he showed Thomas his hand and his side. And he said to Thomas, and actually he said to all the disciples, and, and this is how the end of chapter uh, 20 of Gospel John ends. Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now, we don't know much about uh, what happened right after that. I mean, Jesus was there. He had been with them. He had shown them. He has said these words. And then it seems that he had simply gone away from their presence. We don't know exactly how. We don't know exactly when, how long he was with them. But he wasn't with them anymore. But he had said to them, right? Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet believed. 
So there's a statement of faith that the disciples are to have. So Jesus is gone, and here's what I bet happened. I bet everybody looked to Peter and said, well, now what are we supposed to do? And I'm sure Peter was like, I don't know. This is all new to me. But the disciples had remembered that the angel had said, and Jesus had said then that they were to go to Galilee. They were to meet him at Galilee. So they went on this particular journey. It is certainly a journey of faith because they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know exactly what was going to happen. So they went on this journey. And you and I are going to go on this journey as well. This journey is actually very simple. It is out of our darkness we come into the light of Jesus. Out of our darkness, we come into the light of Jesus. And then ultimately, we rejoice in who he is. So let's take this journey this morning. We're going to first start in our darkness. Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So here they are, right? The scene is they are at the Sea of Galilee. We don't know how long they've been waiting, by the way. We don't know. It seems like they might have been there a while, and they've been waiting on the Lord. And most, probably here's what happened. Just speculation, I know, but you, you can kind of get this in your mind, that they kept asking Peter, well, what do we do now? Well, what's next? What do we do? Are we just supposed to wait here? And Peter didn't know. Now, if you know anything about Peter, you know he wasn't the most patient man in the world. And you could actually probably see him starting to pace back and forth and back and forth. You know, doubts coming up in his mind. Remember, he was the one who had betrayed Jesus, right? He, not, not Judas, but he said he denied him. So I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said betrayed. He denied Jesus three times and he was still feeling the weight of that guilt. Would Jesus ever forgive him? Was he now going to be outside of the grace of Christ? I mean, he had all of these things going on in his mind and he's going back and forth and you can see that frustration building and he probably just went, I'm going fishing. You know how there's that point where waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. You know that. Waiting for this whole virus thing is hard. But waiting in faith upon the Lord is difficult. Because we want to push ahead. We want to do something. So in our darkness, right, we pace back and forth. We start to wonder, our doubts nag us. 
We want the light of Christ, but we're in our darkness. So the question this morning for you is, are you in a time of, dar- of silence, of darkness? In your walk of faith, are those doubts starting to nag at you? Do you want to basically throw up your hands and say, I quit? You know, yes, we read our Bible. We pray. We have conversations with others. And sometimes the circumstances and the uncertainty just get to us. And we throw up our hands like Peter and say, I'm going fishing. You know, I don't know if the Lord wants me to go fishing or not. But it seems that doing something is better than nothing. So I might as well do something, and then I just hope that the Lord will bless what I'm doing. Maybe God will somehow approve if I just take action. How does that work? Does that work very well? Doesn't necessarily work well for me. Does it work well for you? Certainly didn't work well for the disciples. They caught nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. And these are professional fishermen. You see, the disciples, although they had started to come to the grips of understanding Jesus and the resurrection, they still had not learned the profound truth that apart from Jesus, they can do nothing. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Jesus had said to his disciples, and we covered this in actually our last series before Palm Sunday, about abiding in him, that he is the vine, we are the branches. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a pretty profound truth, isn't it? Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. So to abide in Christ is to abide in his word to trust in him and his plan and his timing, not your plan, not your timing. And this is a hard lesson for many of us to learn. You see, like the disciples, we might have the doctrine in our head about Jesus and the resurrection and forgiveness of sin, but we still haven't really come alive knowing that we really are forgiven, that he really is risen, that he really is Lord and Savior, that he is God. And so thus we continue to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and bring us along to heed the voice of Christ, to abide in him. So, They're in the darkness, right? The light starts to dawn and Christ is there. The light starts to dawn in their darkness. So let's continue on here. Verse four from our reading. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. 
He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. So after much frustration, after a lot of tiredness, Jesus enters into the life. They were basically at a low point. They didn't know what else to do. What they were doing was not providing any fruit, so to speak. They, they weren't catching any particular fish. And so they were probably at their end. And it is interesting that it is when we are at our end that we finally hear the voice of God more clearly. For the disciples, when they were ready to call it quits, they had exhausted their own strength. They were finally ready to hear the word of the Lord. And that's often how it seems in our lives. When we're finally ready to be quiet, put everything aside, we can hear Christ. So he calls to them. He says, children, I love it. Isn't that endearing? Children, do you have any fish? Now, he's not doing this in any sort of rebuke. This is an endearing thing. Like if you were English, you would say, lads, have you caught any fish? If you're from Minnesota, you'd say, hey, guys, are they biting? You know, something like that. It's, it's more uh, inviting of a conversation, but it's not just a question because Jesus knows They haven't caught anything yet. So it's more of a, you haven't caught anything yet, have you? It's almost a statement. And he does this in a general, gentle manner. And it's a way to get their attention. So he says, throw the net on the other side. Throw it on the other side. Now, it's pretty interesting. There are two stories, two accounts of the disciples in boats where they don't catch anything. And Jesus instructs them. What is in Luke chapter 5? If you want to, you can look that up. Luke chapter 5, and then our account here. And it's actually, although they are not in the same time frame, they're very similar. Because it has been a night of failure in which they catch nothing. And each time, Jesus instructs them from the shore. Now, in Luke's account, there's not any particular um, number of fish that are caught. In John's account, it says 153. We'll get to that in just a moment. And also in Luke's account, the net begins to break. And in John's account, the net doesn't break. But the, the similarities of the story are very great. Now, I, I don't want to have people try to uh, figure this out in two and lose the point here because they're going to say 153 fish. You know, it's pretty interesting. If you read accounts, people want to read into things a lot of symbolism. I don't think the symbolism is there. But people have said 153 fish. Well, 153 fish says it accounts for all the races, all the nations throughout the world. So 153 fish represent the entire world. And that the net didn't break means that the, the catch of men now will be complete. I think that pushes the symbolism too much. I think it's actually just a very real situation here. I mean, have you ever gone fishing and you catch a lot of fish? You count your fish, don't you? 
Somebody said, wow, that's a lot of fish. How many do you think you got? Somebody else said, oh, I bet 150. I said, oh, I don't know. I think there's a little more than 150. So I, I think they just counted to find out how many fish they got. I don't think we have to go any more than that. But if you start to try to make symbolism when there is no symbolism, you miss the point. And the point is this. I'll go back. Uh, I'm missing. There we go. I just had slides out of order. The main point is obedience to Christ, whether he is in the boat right with you or standing on shore directing you. So that's the main point. It's obedience to Christ, whether you're in the boat, whether you're on the shore, wherever you are in your life, it is obedience to him and his word. And the question for you this morning is, are you ready to cast the net on the other side? If something's not working and it's just on your own effort, maybe it's time to cast the net on the other side. The disciples did as God commanded, and the results were greater than they could have imagined. So the question here for you is, what has God revealed to you through his word and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you should be doing? So what has God revealed to you through his word and thus through the power, the agency of the Holy Spirit that you should be doing? Are you listening to his voice? Are you willing to put the net on the other side? See, when you start to listen to your voice, when, when everything you've done isn't working out, right? And rather than going to Christ first, we come to Christ last often. But when we listen to his voice, there are things that happen in our lives that we call God moments. I had one this week and it was just astounding. I was flabbergasted. I was kind of at my end. And God provided in a way that was unforeseeable. Because I'd stopped for that moment relying on me and relying on Christ. So when you do that, you understand then God is a living God. Our Lord is a living Lord. So let's go on with our text. Verse 7 through 11. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. So when it says the disciple whom Jesus loved, we take that to be the disciple John. So the gospel of John written by John, he seems to refer to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So John's a little bit faster at understanding, but you know what? He's not really as good on the follow-through. As a matter of fact, Peter and John ran to the tomb, 
John got there first, but he stopped. Peter was a little slower, but he actually followed through and went into the tomb. Here, John says, it's the Lord, but he doesn't follow through right away. And I wonder if some of us have the insight, but not the follow through. So let me give you an example. And if you were with us here at Joy last year, I gave this example. It might seem a little familiar. Water, swimming. We know that swimming can be very refreshing, right? And there's the lake or stream or whatever right in front of us. And some people say, man, it's hot. I should just, you know, get refreshed by that lake. And that's the insight. But some people kind of in that first picture just are sitting there, you know, with their feet up, just kind of looking at the lake, not really doing anything. Some, you know, it's like, well, it could be cold. Some people in that second picture are like, well, don't dip my toe in the water just a little bit. You know, just kind of test it out. And then I, I like the third picture quite a bit because most of us, when we go in, it was like, we, we try not to get too far in the water because it's really cold. And that's what we do, right? We have the insight that we should go in, but we really don't. That's kind of like John right then and there. Now, there are other people, by the way, who jump in. And this is Peter. Now, Peter didn't have all the answers. I mean, he's still dealing with a lot of stuff. He didn't have all the answers, and yet he walked by faith, not by sight. He literally jumped in the water. I think it's kind of amusing, actually. I mean, he was... Had, he was stripped down, not naked, but stripped down for fishing. And then he puts on his outer garments to come see the Lord. But to jump in the water with your outer garments would have weighed him down quite a bit. I think that's just kind of amusing. But do you remember Monday, Thursday? Jesus says, I need to wash your feet. And Peter says, no, you can't. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you won't be clean. So Peter at least had that understanding of, wash me, Lord. Wash all of me. Take all of me. Uh, I I will jump in. I don't understand everything, but I'm going to jump in. Here, he's in the presence of the Lord. And again, he may not understand everything, but he literally jumps in. Being refreshed by the water, being cleansed, by Christ Jesus. So even though if we don't understand everything in our faith, it's still okay to jump in, to get wet. Now, they reach the shore, and although this uh, goes by really fast in our reading today, it says that there was already a charcoal fire there with fish. Now, It doesn't mention any fire beforehand, and for a charcoal fire to be lit, that takes a while for charcoals to be there. So you can even say there's a miracle that there's a charcoal fire and food that is prepared. And Jesus invites to the table. He says, come and have breakfast. 
What a wonderful invitation, right? Come, sup with me. It's part of abiding with Christ, of having fellowship with Christ. So I I guess the question I have for you is, what would you do? Would you immediately go up? Would you say, Jesus, I'm so glad to see you? Disciples weren't quite that brave. Not at that point. It says, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. You see, in part, whatever your journey is in Christ Jesus, you should have at least some comfort that the disciples who had seen Jesus now for the third time, who had the evidence, who knew they were still a little hesitant in their walk. They were walking, but they're like, don't know how all this works. And yet they put their faith in Christ and they kept following him. And Jesus would equip them and the Holy Spirit would be with them to equip them for their work. And see, so you and I aren't that much different than disciples. We really aren't. So it is a matter of moving from just church going, from the doctrine of Christ being risen from the dead, of forgiveness of sins, to really embracing Jesus as Lord and Savior, a living Lord. I know my Redeemer lives So the question I have for you this morning is, do you know Jesus as your risen and living Lord? Do you rejoice and embrace him as your Lord and Savior? Not just a thought, but actually knowing him as Lord and Savior. And we know that this happens only through the power of the Holy Spirit. So you pray this morning, Jesus, I want to know you. I want to be filled with you. I want to abide in you. And I know I can't do it by myself, but it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for reconciliation. I know that you are Lord and Savior. That's the prayer this morning. So this morning, we find that it is in our darkness comes the light of Jesus, our risen Lord. And that's part of our Easter journey. Three questions for you this morning. Are you listening to his voice? Hearing him call you out of the darkness into his presence. Do you recognize him as the one who's overcome death? Not just think about it, but like, He really overcame death. And are you listening to him about the work you should be doing? Because maybe he says to you, put the net on the other side. All the work you've been trying to do without me, it's not working, is it? Put the net on the other side. And for all of this, we give thanks and praise to our risen Lord and Savior, And from our heart, we say amen and hallelujah. Thanks be to God.
We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.